We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear God, we do pray that you would use this word again to shape our thinking, to shape our actions, and ultimately to shape our characters so that we might be more and more like yourself, we pray. Through Christ our Lord, we ask. Amen. Please be seated, if you would. If you have your Bibles, as always, I encourage you to have them. If you want to open them up to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, just one verse. Verse 16. Because we are separated from God by our sin, we believe that our salvation is completely dependent upon the work of God's free grace. We are justified by faith alone in Christ Jesus. An essential understanding of our function here as a church together. Because we are separated from God by our sin, we can believe that our salvation is completely dependent upon the work of God's free grace. We are justified by faith alone in Jesus Christ. One of the great joys of being a parent uh, is seeing in long term the long term effects of your training, of your teaching of the kids if they shape themselves in such a way that through time they begin to experience or demonstrate some of the characteristics that you've been working in their lives over and over again. My son, when he was young, say in the 20 years ago or so, uh, he would, whenever he was confronted by a difficult situation, if he knocked over a drinking cup or something like that, his initial reaction was to freeze and to stare at me with wide eyes. And he'd just stare at me with wide eyes and freeze as the milk is rolling all over the table. And I'd say to him, I'd say, Jace, move, do something, get up, get, take care of this problem. And so then, of course, he would go ahead and do that. Well, through the years, we had lots of spilt milk but eventually it got to a spot where I have to say I'm very proud of the fact that Jason has grown to be a man who takes responsibility for his actions, who steps into the gaps whenever he sees a problem and helps out. He's very quick and eager to make up for his own mistakes whenever he sees those or when they've been identified for him. Uh, I'm really proud of the fact that through lots of working with Jason, that he kind of learned that lesson that you, you know, you jump in and help solve the problems that you make, that you, you take care of some of the things that have taken place. And I'm very proud of the fact that I think uh, that he has grown up to be a very uh, mature young man who I think would be very helpful in his, for his friends, for his family. I think he'd probably be a great employer, an employee. Uh, having said that, if that's the only lesson that Jason learned, I think that I would have set him up to be a very poor Christian. By God's grace, that's not the only lesson that he learned. He learned other lessons as well, included a lot of those that are encompassed by our essential statement in which we talked about here today. Because we are separated by God by our sin, we believe that our salvation is completely dependent upon the work of God's free grace. We're justified by faith alone in Christ. Over the past couple of 
weeks, we've been talking about the essentials. Two weeks ago, we talked about the cross of Jesus Christ and how essential it is that we understand the cross of Christ and that we focus upon the cross of Christ. There are lots of people that are happy to talk about Jesus. There are lots of people that want to talk about his healings, his teachings, uh, his life, and the love in which he has demonstrated. And of course, we want to talk about his teachings, his life, his love, the healings that he did, all of that a part of Jesus. But all of that fed itself or found its culmination in the cross of Jesus Christ. If you ignore the cross or if you do not center upon the cross, you are far and fall short of the, some essential characteristics, essential teachings of the church. And we intend for you to be exposed to the cross of Jesus Christ in our time together. But how do we experience the work of the cross? How, how do we benefit from the work of the cross? How do we uh, personally uh, come to know of the cross's impact upon our lives today? That's kind of what we're looking at today, and it's captured incredibly well in the essential statement that we just rattled off, but also in this one verse. In this one verse, Paul is able to pull together a lot of ideas that encapsulate how it is that the cross of Christ and the work that he has accomplished there has worked into our lives and makes an impact into our lives. So if you look at this verse, you'll notice that it starts with the words, we know. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Now, picture for a second, you're in a conversation with somebody, this is a good friend or something like that, and they're talking along, and they go, well, you know how that works, and they, you know, well, kind of, you know, you know, you know, and the implication is that you know, and if you don't know, you immediately feel kind of bad, you know, well, you know who that person is, or something like that, and you sit there and think, I probably should know that person, and you kind of feel bad about that. I think that's what Paul's doing right here. He says, you know this. Don't mistake that. This is an essential teaching of the church because the church is supposed to know this. This is something that is supposed to be part and parcel of who we are, and if we fail or any Christian body fails to emphasize this teaching of the Lord, it fails on something that is basic, something that is fundamental to us. Paul himself identifies it so by just assuming that we know this. We know this truth. Well, what is the truth that we know? We know that a person is not justified by works of the law. And Paul goes on and uses the word justified three times in this section. When Jerry uh, shared earlier here today as he talked about justification, I thought to myself, is he about to take my thunder here? Is he going to talk about what I want to talk about? Sort of. That's okay. You can afford to hear it twice. To be justified. Paul is talking here about what it means to be justified. And that is both a common word that we use, but it also has some important theological meaning, both for Paul here as he's writing, but also for us as we are talking about salvation, as we're talking about how we are saved, Paul uses this term justified. And I want you to think through that for a second. Justified. Um, my guess is that like you, like me, I have been, you have been called upon the carpet occasionally to justify your actions, either to an employer 
or to a spouse or to your parents. Somewhere along the line, somebody has said, hey, why did you do this? And they want you to justify yourself. They want you to explain why it is that you've done that. And most of the time, when we justify ourselves with something, we're satisfied if we have given an accurate explanation of what has happened. Uh, here, let me justify why it is that I've decided to preach out of this passage and I explain why I'm going to preach out of this passage. If it's not a real good explanation, perhaps it kind of sounds a little bit more like an excuse, um, but a justification here is kind of an explanation of what is going on. Now, that's okay as far as it goes, but when we're talking about the scriptures here, when we're talking about this notion of God justifying us, it's not that we are standing before God and we give a good explanation. Henry, why did you do this kind of thing? Why did you think those thoughts in your mind about that person? Why did you have those feelings uh, when you were driving the other day? Why is it that you said those things about that person that you haven't? And I sit there and say, well, here's the reasons, Lord, and I justify myself. I give an accurate description. Hopefully I'm not excusing myself, but I'm kind of explaining myself and kind of things. And I hope when, I have the, when I'm in that situation with my wife, or my boss, or something like that, I'm hoping that eventually they'll get to a spot where they'll say something along the lines of, well, okay, I'm not wild about that, but I understand why you did. They accept the explanation of what I have done. That is explicitly not what we're talking about here when we come before God seeking justification. When we come before God to, to, justify, to be justified, we are not coming before God simply to have an explanation of our lives laid out before God. Here's the reason why I did some of the things that I did that maybe did not please you. Rather, what we are doing when we come before God is not just to give an explanation. We are coming before God to hear his judgment and to hear him justify us. That is, where he declares that we are righteous. I don't want him simply to understand the reasoning behind what I did. I want him to look at me and say, what you have done is just. What you have done is right. What you have done is appropriate. Now that's what it means to be justified by God, is for him to look at you and not simply say, okay, I understand why you did what you did, but for him to look at you and say, I declare that what you have done is just, right, and true in my eyes. So that's the goal. That's the pursuit. That's what we are searching after. And what Paul identifies here is he says, we know that a person is not justified by works of law, but is justified through faith in Jesus Christ. So throughout this verse, there's this contrast that's being set up between works of law and by faith. And what the, the distinction is, how are you going to stand before God and hear his description, hear his assertion that you are justified, that you are righteous in his sight? And Paul makes this big distinction, one that many of us have heard over and over again, that it is not by works of law. It is not by our deeds. It's not by our actions. It is not by our merit. I do not stand before God and say, look, Lord, I know there's been four or five things that I wish I hadn't have done in my life, but look at these 400 that I have done positive. Certainly they outweigh the negatives that are over here. 
legitimate negatives that are here, etc. And Paul's argument is that no matter what you do, those works of righteousness, those positive things that you do will never upset, will never wipe away the negative that we stand before God with. So what he says here is that we are not justified by our works. Now, like my son, I think that we're training, everything in us pushes us in a different direction. And I think that's for two reasons. One is that it's simply the culture, and it's always been the culture, it's human culture in general, to identify that there is no free lunch, that you clean up after your mistakes, that nobody's going to give you anything. You have to go out there and earn it. We are built in thinking, and there's good justification to think along these lines, but we are built to think that if we get something, we have to do something. If somebody gives you a gift, your immediate assumption is, how can I be appropriate? How can I live in such a way as to justify receiving this gift? How can I act in such a way? Why did they give me this gift? What were they seeing in me that somehow made this gift appropriate to me? And so we have this built into our very society and very mentality that there is something that we have to do. And that's one of the things that if you've ever shared the gospel with somebody, if you've ever talked with them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, their questions often center around, well, what do I do? What do I do? How do I, what do I have to do in order to merit, in order to gain this great favor that God is giving us? And what Paul is arguing here is that it is not by works of law. It is not something that you are doing. We both have this culture that shapes us, that forces us to think that way. But also, frankly, we have this human culture that shapes, that makes us think in terms of merit, because frankly, that's at the center of who we are, the sinful core that is part of our human nature, that we are linked with Adam and Eve, is in such a way that we center our thinking upon ourselves. If I am going to be justified before God, the focus is me, and what do I have to do? How can I earn this? How can I benefit from this? And in contrast to that, Paul puts forward not a justification by works, but rather a justification by faith. Now, you've heard me say this before, I'm a bit of a broken record when it comes to this, but that itself is shorthand. We are justified by faith. It makes it sound like we're justified by something that we do. We have faith or I force myself to believe, or I convince myself of the truthfulness of the gospel, that somehow the faith that I have, that it is my faith, something that I do here, that somehow provides the justification so that I can stand before God and be justified. But again, the Bible completely undercuts that notion because we are not justified by faith, we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. It is not the quality of our faith. It's not the the, uh, amount of faith that we have. It is the object of our faith. And so I I like to encourage people, the word that is translated in the Greek for faith can easily also be translated as trust. We are justified not by our works, not by the things that we do, 
but rather we are justified by who we trust in. If we, justify, if we seek to trust in ourselves, in our own abilities, this is really hard, again, for a culture, a group of people that grow up thinking that what we get in this life is largely given to us by what we do. It, it, we earn it. We have to, of course, our situation and our setting and all those kind of things make a big influence in what we gain in this world, but a whole lot of it comes down to our efforts and how much we work hard for it, et cetera, et cetera. And here I am telling you that the most important central feature in your life, your justification before God, is built not on anything that you do, including the quality, the, the amount of faith, the quantity of the faith that you have. Rather, it is focused upon the object of your faith, Jesus Christ. So the scripture emphasizes this. Paul expects that we would know it. We know that, this. He expects for us to know that. And there are a couple of very good reasons for it. Why is all of this necessary? This is necessary because of the great grip, the tremendous power of sin in our lives. If we think that sin is a surface problem, if we think that it is something that, if it's behavioral, that we just have to fix it, that we just have to be trained out of our sin, kind of like I trained Jason not to stand there with a gog open mouth whenever he causes a problem, but I say, hey, we gotta do something. If we think of sin along those lines, that it's just a behavior that we have to convince ourselves or, or learn out of, then we will forever think that there's going to be a time where we're successful at that removing that sin from our lives. But sin is not like that. Sin is that, it, it's a decay. It's a corruption in the center of our souls. I had a car uh, up until this past uh, car that we just bought, um, which uh, uh, was our first new car. I've always driven beaters uh, around and stuff like that. Well, one of the first cars that I had early on uh, I took it to the mechanic uh, at the right time, and the mechanic looks at it and says, man, you've got a, your car is really rusty. And I looked at the car on the outside and thought, well, there's some rust there, but it's not that bad. And he says, no, the rust is on the inside. And I thought, well, I can't see it there, so it's okay. <laughs> and sure enough, then I'm driving the car one day, and literally the car fell apart. In the middle of the road, the car fell apart. The, the rust was in the frame of it so bad, and it literally, the, the car pulled, the frame pulled apart, and the car settled down onto the ground. And it's because of how terribly destructive that rust was on the inside, even though I couldn't see it and it wasn't a big deal, okay? We, that is what happened. That is what sin is doing in the center of our core of our beings. So we cannot earn our way to salvation. It's not simply, by the way, that we do not, but we cannot. In this passage, right down at the end, Paul says, by works of law, no one will be justified. And by that, he says that, that the, by, by trying hard, by efforts on your own part, you will never get to a spot where you are justified. But in other spots of scriptures, including the one where Jerry read earlier, the point is that not only will we not be justified, but we cannot be justified. Our sin, that corruption, is so devastating that it prevents us from being right in God's eyes. We are unable, and so this notion of being justified by faith in Jesus Christ is necessary for us 
because otherwise there is no salvation that is possible. If salvation is dependent upon us at all, we cannot attain it. Well, who is able to receive this salvation then? This is one of the great blessings of the New Testament. And it's kind of interesting here. We kind of jumped into the middle of this passage. Um, does it start uh, with the word yet? I don't know if you ca- covered the word yet in this, in this passage, but it actually links to a previous experience. This is a deep theological point that Paul is making, but it arises out of a very concrete experience. The Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul were having a disagreement. And the disagreement was over the fact of how you ate meals, your meals, and who you ate your meals with. I mean, it was a very concrete experience. But both Paul and Peter understood that we were justified by faith. But Peter thought that there was something that the salvation process worked differently for Jews than the way that it would work for Gentiles. And Paul's answer to Peter is simply to bring up the point, no, wait, we are justified by faith alone. Faith alone in Jesus Christ is something that I can do. It's something that you can do. It's a gift that God can give me. It's a gift that God can give a young child, a gift that God can give an older person, a gift that God can give somebody who's rich or somebody who is poor. There are no barriers to the expression of being justified by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, the reason why you stress that is because that insidious work of sin in our lives that constantly creeps in that says, yes, but, the gospel, but, the gospel works better with this group of people, or the gospel is more effective if these kind of things have taken place first, or the gospel message should be reserved for those people that act like this, or something along those lines. And Paul's notion here, understanding of that we are justified by faith, undercuts all of that idea. We are justified by faith and faith alone. And so then Paul asks the question three or four times in the New Testament, well then where is boasting? I call this the peanut principle. Because I'm as arrogant as the next person, as prideful as the next person, anything that makes my pride and shrink and my view of myself shrink down to a peanut size is something that is good. And it's exactly this case for me. It is not dependent upon me. It is not that I am smart enough to accept the gospel message. It's not that I was in the right place at the right time. It's not that I responded well to the gospel message. It's none of those things. It is what Jesus Christ has done. And consequently, my portion of it, I'm shrunk down to a peanut. Where then is boasting? It is eliminated. Why? Because I don't do anything to receive the justification that the Lord has given to me. The Lord gives me justification built completely and totally upon the work of Jesus Christ. So this is the focus. This is the center that Paul's language leads us towards. It's not a question of what do I do or what do you do. It's a question of who do you trust? Do you trust yourself? Do you trust your family? Do you trust your church? 
Do you trust your pastor? Or do you trust Jesus Christ? Of course, Paul's answer is simple and straightforward. We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray together. God in heaven, we are grateful for the blessings that you pour out upon us through Jesus Christ, that you have not left us in our sin, that you have not left us without means of standing before you and hearing that wonderful word that we are redeemed, that we have been saved, that we are justified, that we have been declared right in your eyes. Lord, thank you that you have done that for every believer in this room, that you look upon us and that you have declared us to be right in your eyes. And now grant to us, Lord, the opportunities we have to live more and more faithfully for that very goal, we pray. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, we ask. Amen.